Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. This is not the Kaju Kimball podcast. I need to say that because at this point, a lot of people start thinking, oh, this is like a Kaju Kimball podcast. It's become a lot about Kaju Kimball because I, I teach Kaju Kimball and I love Kaju Kimball. But um, this is part of a series. It started off as a Q&A. If you are watching this as your first episode, just know that you can go to my YouTube playlist and find the Kaju Kimball Methods playlist series with different methods of Kaju Kimball with which I was telling my guests today off camera that it started because one of my subscribers asked me the question, what's the difference between the Gaylord method, the Imperato method, and the Tumpai method? What's the best one for self-defense? I wouldn't answer that. And <laughs> I stay away from those kind of questions. <laughs> but uh, I did decide to help this person learn more about Kajikembo because I feel like there's just not enough content about Kajikembo. Oh, that's a, that's a strong statement. There's... Not a lot of content on the internet, on on a YouTube, talking about Kajakembo and Kajakembo history. Now, now for those listening, there is the KSDI Talk Story podcast, which I'm so happy is being run by people that know way more about it than I do. I'm just a guy who does Kajakembo in Japan and likes talking to my Ohana on the internet. Luckily, it's not as weird because of Zoom. All right, so <laughs> that being said, my guests today. Drum roll, and I, I'm famous for butchering my guests' names before we get started. But I think I may, for the first time ever in eight years, get this right. David Amikuchi yeah. and Leah Ramos. Amikuchi. Yes, sir. Got it. Yes, sir. This He's is going to make everyone else so upset. <laughs> <laughs> Every single other person that I've totally messed up their name they're gonna be so upset right now how dare why do you, you get their names right <laughs> <laughs> so we we're talking about the ramos method today um david Le leah can you tell me a little about about your background and yourselves and, and your connection to the ramos method yes let's start well my connection is that i'm um tony ramos's daughter antonio's daughter first daughter and so uh out of all the children when he retired from here he didn't want to leave fairfield empty he wanted his legend to remain and this gentleman right here stood up and said i'll take care of it and so basically he he grabbed it and ran with it and 33 four five years later here we are you know i was his partner all the way through he's you know, he does everything my father blessed him with, and, and he promised my father that he was going to see this through. He was never going to let it go, ever. And it and it and that's what happened with my, and then, you know, of course, we have a big family now, huge family, and he loves it. Do you love it? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so Angelo, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Um so I have over 40 years of martial arts and grappling experience, uh, collegiate grappling. Um, I have 30 years law enforcement and corrections experience uh, as far as training, tactical and military. Um, my primary art is Tony Ramos Kajikembo. Uh, my secondary art is Kokoi Kenyete Dose Pares um, from directly Kokoi Kenyete. Uh, uh, I was um, chosen as a successor to my father-in-law um, when he, uh, before he passed away um, of the Ramos lineage. And um, we call him, we call Antonio A. Ramos. He has a given title that we use in our school um, is Agong. We call him Agong. And Agong is a loose translation of a word as you know, Chinese words have several meanings to it. Um, the translation of Agong is the man who walks the righteous path. Uh, but also it is basically like how, you know, Sijo means founder. It's, and that's the teaching sense. Agong is 
like the the senior member or the founder of the family and the non-teaching sense. So that's why we call him that respectful title because he's the founder of the Ramos system or method of Kaji Kemba. There you go. <laughs> and then I know I know we're, I know we said we're gonna and then for those of you listening, I, I'm gonna do another podcast later talking about David's background and all the stuff he did personally um in his martial arts journey. But I wanna ask one thing. David, did you do another podcast with someone a while back? So, um kind of, a few of them, sir. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. So now if you if you are the same David. Which I'm pretty it's, sure you are. I'm pretty sure it is the same, David. I've actually heard one other podcast with you, and I forgot which one it was. It was a while ago. One of my students contacted me and said, because they were wondering, is there anything about? I know you have your Kajakimbo podcast, so I looked up Kajakimbo online and I found this guy named David. And then he, and so I have it's it's you, because <laughs> he said the wrestling, the wrestling kind of it rung a bell. Uh, was it a good one? I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I just wasn't gonna make the assumption that it was the same. You know, David, David, Mike. I have a cousin named David. <laughs> I think I think if you're Latino, you have you have I think it's a rule somewhere you gotta have a cousin named David. <laughs> but back to our to our main story. Um so here's some things I know and a lot of things I don't know. From okay. what I've heard. If you look at the Kajakembo tree, and for anybody now following this podcast, I don't know how many minutes we are in, and you have no idea what Kajakembo is. I should have said this first. Uh, Google Kajakembo. Wikipedia has a pretty good summarization. Um, there's a podcast coming at the end of this called What is Kajakembo that kind of goes over that. But from what I've heard in the history, and I'm bad at this, Antonio Ramos is one of the people like in the very top like if I follow that tree, it goes to the top. Like there's like a picture of of the of the founder Cijo, and then there's like a box of like these original, these OGs as I like to call them. They're all there, and then a bunch of stuff starts branching off there. And he's in that main box. And if correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of these people came from Hawaii and brought the art over to the mainland, right? Absolutely. And Antonio was one of those guys. He came from Hawaii and brought that over to the mainland. Absolutely. So, so uh, he he started training, you know, in the fifties. Uh, got his black belt uh, at our left Hawaii because he wanted a better life for his wife and five children at the time. Uh, so he went to LA area because he was a civil service uh, servant, and he tried to get a job in LA, and he worked like part time there. We had relatives there. And he actually opened up his first school there. And then and then in 1960, um, CJO and Prado had advanced instructors training and they went ahead and he tested for his black belt in 1960. Then after he received his black belt, he moved, you know, he, he came back because he was living in California. He got a job at Travis Air Force Base in 1962. And he, he flew it, you know, the whole family came out and he started working as a jet engine mechanic at Travis Air Force Base. He worked on number four engine on the big C-5s. I think he's trying to find out who brought this art here. So he's a, he's a, yeah, a lot of people did. Like up there, right? Like as far as bringing the art. Yes. So there was, there was, Originally, a handful of that were like the first group, right? So it was John Leone was okay. the first, okay? Then, and then they all came within like months and a year of each other, like, oh, so it was, okay. it was like um, uh, Reyes, Ramos, Habuna, Gaylord, and then later on, the Coscos. So right. those, those guys were like the top five, right? And if then that branch just went. So basically, Agong is first generation Kaji Kembo, and we're and I'm second. We're we're second generation Kaji Kembo. And then, Leah, how old were you when you came over to the states? Like, so you were in Hawaii, right? Yeah, I was. I was in Hawaii. I was born there. I was almost a two years old when I kept, when I got here. Yeah, 
we were in LA and then we went to San Francisco. But we always had a dojo, even if it was in a garage. That that's how that's how Kaji Kimbo works, yeah. right? Or the park. Yeah. The park works yeah. too. Yeah. Then <laughs> that. Yeah. Been there, done it. My dad never not teach. He had to always teach. That was how he was. And he so, always taught. <laughs> my uh one more so when when he came over from Hawaii. Yes. If I if I heard this correctly, he had his black belt. No, so first came from Hawaii. So what was what was happening there? So there was like three original schools. Palama was the base, right? But then there was a school in Kaimaki and a school in um uh oh goodness. Wahiwa. Uh, so uh what happened, those were the three schools, but like Palama was the headquarters, yeah. So what happened is those were the three original schools. Well, that, you know, Kajikimba was brand new, right? And those were those those original practitioners that came before my father-in-law, right? Which is C. Joe and Chu and all those others, right? So after that was developed and they started immediately, they, you know, it grew like wildfire. They didn't have instructors. So they weren't, they weren't black belts. But the times they put in, in, in training was insane you know they trained for hours hours a day they didn't train twice a week you know they were training like four or five so they they spread out so they were going to different areas so um agong he was an assistant instructor and would teach and that's why he, he started teaching at a lower rank like i'm sure like at your school that you have you have some of the teaching some basic fundamentals. You know, you have a green belt or a blue belt. So so he was an underbelter when he came to California. In fact, they all were. And then what happened is, is they, they went back to Hawaii for instructors advanced training and then testing. Then they came back as black belts. Okay. And so they brought the school over, or he, so he started teaching Kajukembo as he came over. And from there, where you mentioned the base, where where are we now, like in geographically? Uh, he got in, his black belt. He he was in Fairfield, so he moved from L.A. He came to Fairfield, California, which is the hometown of where Travis Air Force Base is. We're in Northern California. We're halfway between Sacramento and San Francisco. We're okay. like forty minutes one way, forty five minutes the other way, type thing. And then, so, how old were you at that point, Leah? When when your when your dad got his black belt? Sixty. How old were you? Nineteen. It's like almost one or two. Okay. All right. See. So, so you're. Yeah, still, you don't have to tell. You don't have to tell me. Yeah. Why did you say 1960? You could have just. You could have just said. Probably. May or may have not been. 1960. <laughs> Somewhere around that. <laughs> around that. Okay, that's fine. I'm just trying to get a rough. I'm just trying to get a rough view of. of okay, why, why am I asking this question? Like, why does he keep asking these questions? I'm mostly just trying to figure out when you started trading. I'm, I'm trying to lead, trying to lead into that. Oh, oh, well, how, how old are you when you started trading? I just, I'll just come out and say it now. I was gonna wait for later, but how, how old were you when you started trading with your dad? Well, he put us on the mat at like four and five years old. I mean, whether we liked it or not. <laughs> that's how it works because it helped him learn how to teach too so it was rough <laughs> so you know angela i gotta sh i gotta jump in on this real quick because you know I, I love relating to it because you know a lot of people like to say i'm old school right and and in our lineage you know that's it oh i'm old school i'm old school ramos you know i'm old school ramos and to me the only people that are old school ramos are the ones that were in the garage. They're the ones that just had him raw, straight from the settlement. You know what I'm saying? So those guys froze our butts in the winter. Right. You know what no I mean? Either. Just, you know, they <laughs> but those there was a handful, you know, those are the OGs, oh, you know, those are the, you know, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't fun. <laughs> 
I'm sure my daughter's is something very similar. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. My daughter's like seven or eight. She already got kicked out. I kicked her out. Oh, wow. <laughs> she got oh, out for having an attitude for a year. She got suspended. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So either way, she's back. But anyway, we'll get back to the Ramos lineage. So, right. Uh, right. That's right. <laughs> But it's, it's just, I just try to relate. That's Kaja Kevin. We don't mess around. That's 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 you're right. That's what when she when you're saying. Oh, it was hard. It was cold. It was winter. I'm just thinking about my gym out here. I had no AC, no heater. I finally got one. Oh, what a... I finally got one, but I didn't have one. I just <laughs> put an extra layer on your coat. I'm on. Take off your shirt. Hey. But I and I and I say and I tell him I go this is for this air conditioning stuff you want air conditioning stuff that's for the that's for the spectators it's not for you guys it's not good for you to have air conditioning on while you're training come on you oh, know good training it's good at air conditioning it adds character <laughs> so um so one of the things I've been asking a lot of the people talking about their methods so what's something that is that you feel is unique to the Ramos method. As you know, and we don't have to go too far into how outside of your branch about how Kajikempo differs amongst methods, but what's something that you feel is unique to the way your approach is, either philosophy? We'll start with we'll start with um we'll start with philosophy and then we'll I'll, I'll do a follow-up on on self-defense approaches and actual like application. But what would you say is something that you feel is kind of unique, something that comes up a lot when people talk about the Ramos method? Well so okay so okay so let let me just cover real quick so off that original knowledge grandmaster mitch you know he came up and you know he spoke on it and so originally there was seven forms seven pinyon dances right and we call them pinyon still you know but uh palama sets seven forms um there was 11 punch counters 11 grab techniques and the original group guys took basically almost 10 years to get their black belt right between six and 10 years so can you imagine you know your students might come to you like they're bored oh can you imagine 10 seven forms and 22 techniques right so what happened was um he came and he developed his art. Well, what happened is you got to look at what, so his knowledge quadrupled. And one of the things that he was known for, I I, I got to share this quick story with you. This, this Reyes, because, you know, they share, they're like within 10 minutes of us, 15 minutes, Grandmaster Reyes's group. And um, one of the black belts came in, I was teaching class and I'm like, you know, boom, when we paid our respects and everything. And he goes, you know what? I just got to tell you, you know, and he points to Gong's picture and he's like, you know what? Grandmaster Ramos, you know, I got to say, you know, he was always funky, you know, he was real funky. And I'm like, what'd you say? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I was like, he was funky. And this dude was like, so 70s five. You know, he's an old guy, you know, an old timer, you know, but he met, he goes, no, no, no. He saw the look in my face. And he goes, no, I mean, he's funky. You know, he was loose. He wasn't all uptight, you know, like some of the old timers. If it didn't work, he didn't use it. And he modified it. That was huge. But do you know where this stuff came from? Do you know where, I mean, he got it from his instructor who was, you know, his primary instructor, Cito definitely taught him, right? You know, but his primary instructor while he was alive was Joe, okay? It was Joseph in Prado, great grandmaster Joe. And um, we're so proud and so honored that they posthumously awarded him that, you know, um, because of his influence. And um, you got to think about those other old timers that were there, you know, like Woodrow McCandles and, uh, and all those old timers. So he had a flavor from those, but he didn't just train at Palama. He was at Wahiwa, you know, he moved and he had that. Oh, and of course, Uncle Polly, you know, that's 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 our uncle. That's Leah's uncle, you know, George Seronia, you know, one of the first, you know, 
guys, you know, one of the first teachers, he was his like assistant, you know? So his influence. So they were like so much alike these old timers, but they were different. So in, in that, when he came, so many things he brought that, that changed and his influence when he came here, he was influenced by other people. So like, you got to look at the evolution of Kaji Kimbo and like when C. Joe around 1965-66 wanted to embrace the Gong Fu throughout the Coast Coast and the influence of the Chuan Fa. So what happened was he went ahead and did that and, and Tony Ramos, you know, he was all the old timers, that group that we talked about, they were all asked to absorb that and to take that knowledge on. So most of them said they would do it. Reyes chose to do the original method. He said, I know I want to just keep it like that. And he got permission to do that. So what happened was Agong went to Alda Coscos and he went to Alda Coscos's, one of his top students at the time, which is Sifu Bill Owens. And he started embracing and learning the Chuan Fa. And he got the requirements for it and everything. And when he couldn't make it, he would bring his sons to go and learn and embrace it. And then they would continually go back and forth. So he shared that with me. But Sifu Bill Owens, uh, he shared at a luncheon dinner with uh, a lunch with us that a wife, him, Al the Coast Coast, they were there. And he said, you know, David, I got to tell you something about a gong. I just got to share this with you because it's it's not a known fact. He goes, but, you know, I get upset with Kaji Kimbo and stuff because all these guys said that they would adopt the Chuan Fa and everything. And everybody started wearing the patch. And Tony was the only one. He was like one of the only ones that actually learned the knowledge and, and brought it back and continued to, to do it. So that's where we're a huge difference. You know, Kaji Kimbo is hard and soft, but but if you do Kempo Karate, you favor that hard style, that hard line, right? Although there is fluided movements in it. Or you do the Chuan Fa, okay? Which is more much more fluid, okay? But still has a little bit of the heart in it. So the difference was my father-in-law that in our dojo to this day, we teach Kempo Karate and we teach Chuan Fa Gong Fu. So our students get ranking in Kaji TRK, Tony Ramos Kaji Kempo Kempo Karate, and they receive Chuan Fa Gong Fu, Tony Ramos Kaji Kempo. So that's sash ranking. So they wear sashes and so they can get their black belt and black sash. So we have two separate rankings. So it's kind of like two different systems going off into it's all it's all you of course it's under your school it's all one system but it's this, 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 for, any, for anybody listening like i get this question a lot about john hackleman like well how is it that he's got hawaiian kempo and he's got the kaja kempo and it's very something very similar where you'll have a kaja kempo instructor who might end up having a different system within their system and they'll yes. decide to either create a combination of both or like you said i think the way you the way hackleman's doing it the way you're doing it very similar to the way i do it too it's easier to just distinguish both systems and have the student because I mean some some students don't right like I've had some students that don't want to like they 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 or they not that they don't want to they can't especially when you start getting into wushu they just can't their body can't move that way it's just I've tried it's just maybe age you know because you know not everyone's a, not everyone's the same age not everyone has the same abilities and um, definitely a lot of the kung fu stuff will demand stuff out of you that that maybe the other stuff won't demand out of you as much. So either way, that's my spiel on why this happens within the schools. So this makes sense. So, so you have your, your Chung Pua, and I have seen that around quite a bit. And then you have your Kempo system, and that's all part of the, the Ramos method. And, and if I've heard you correctly, the Chung Fa part is what's really, uh, and I'm trying to avoid a controversial statement here. Um, okay. Is uh, uh, according to... <laughs> What you said earlier is is a uh, very legit 
<laughs> because it came directly and Ramos was very um, insistent that he trained in it. And if he wasn't there, he would send his family members to train in it and bring it back to the school. So it, it's very much following that lineage directly. If that's, yes. I, if, if it, I heard you correctly. It, yes. And it, you know, and it's, and it has an, an expression in it, you know what I'm saying? And it definitely had the, especially the self-defense was, um, came into play it, it's my father-in-law's flavor of course with it you know so so the techniques might not look exactly the same but it starts out right the same does that make sense that makes sense that makes sense now so can you, can you give me a concrete example of an explanation of let's say I don't even know if you do things in your school the same way. Let's say punch number one. Do you have a punch number one or punch counter number one? I don't know, an ABC number one. I have heard all kinds of titles from them. We have it all. The ABC, one, two, threes, you know, whatever yeah. it is. I'm sure you have. Can you give me a, a just an example, just a quick application of what a counter to a punch would look like in the Ramos method? So describe it to you or you want? You can describe it or you can start standing okay. up, moving around. It's, so, it's up to you. Whatever's easier for you so, to do. So all of our number ones look the same. Yeah, I, I mean, look the same. It looks, you know, it's Kajikembo, right? Parry, long inward strike, snap kick to the groin, back fist to the temple, ground your feet, back fist to the temple, side kick, follow up, groundwork. Okay, Perfect. so that, that's that's like one of your number ones right there. Yes, so it's, so it's, pow, 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 done. Right. So that's our that's that's, you know, that's um, our advanced technique number one. Right. So we have a punch counter off of our Gung Fu, which is a little bit different um, uh, because it has some of the Gung Fu flow to it. So like our number one Gung Fu is you you step out and you do a Gung Fu outward strike, taking the eyesight. OK. And then you um, you do a. a you do a vertical punch to the floating ribs. You cross check parry. You back fist. You do a street back fist with an elbow chopping to the karate and then follow. So that's our number one punch counter. All right. That's that's very concrete. And from the sounds of it, they'd be hitting the concrete. So it's a very concrete example. <laughs> so <laughs> so what happens is, is, so our Kempo Karate, right, is that foundation, right? So our Kempo Karate and this isn't, I'm not telling you anything, right? I'm just sharing, right? You know, it's like, so the temple karate, right, is is the block, right? To the building blocks. The chuan fa, the chuan fa is the mortar that goes in the blocks, right? And that, and then when you put it together, it's just solid, you know what I'm saying? Solid. So now I'm going to go, I'm going all over the place. I'm gonna go back to our a little bit back to our history lesson because we're getting close to the wrap up here now. I want to oh. I want to make sure I don't I don't miss anything on our history. Um, yeah. But so far we've already checked the box. I checked the box for the self defense. What makes it different? Now going back to our history real quick. Okay. Um, so Ramos, he is training out of the garage. He's. Oh, when does he open his school? Yeah, that's the part that I didn't, I didn't get to. I think you briefly mentioned it. So but... he, he didn't spend a long time in the garage at all. Um, uh, what year was the actual first school? Do you remember? Yeah, but not the location, the t the year. Yeah, I think it was nine. Yeah, around nineteen sixty five with his was his first. School. Uh, hard, hard school. Business commercial. Commercial school. And who was who was part of that group when that when that started? How oh. Emil Batista. Emil Batista. He was he was one of the first ones. Calvin Shin was in it, and then the rest were a bunch of um, airmen. airmen. Oh, I take it back. So nineteen sixty two. He was on West Texas Street. Oh yeah. 1962. Yes. Yes. All right. So 1962, he opens his first commercial school. Yes. They start. They start. Um. 
they started training out students. This is in Fairfield, California. If I if correct, I, if I got if I got that right, yes, and, sir. And at this point, um, I know Leia's back there listening. Yes. <laughs> so when did you when because you're, you're you're fundamental part of the of the history here. I know you said the training was hard. You were a kid. You're working your way up. Um, and we're not going to talk about dates and times or years. You don't have to go there with me because we, we talked about that too earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but but how how old were you when you tested for your black belt? When when did that happen? Teenager was no. Oh, I don't even know. Isn't that bad? <laughs> you can say you don't have to say the exact age you can say like in my teens in my 20s well, 20s, my, 30s. yeah because my my black belt was like my my i mean my brown belt was like my black belt but that was like 18 because it was okay. he did me he did me worse as a brown belt they need us his black belts so i'm like okay so this is my black belt huh <laughs> he's like you got more coming <laughs> and so i was, I was 20s yeah 20s I just don't know what 20s, 25, 26. Yeah. Good See, good you had dates and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about the dates. 20s is good I enough. I remember yesterday, okay. <laughs> so so there, there is, uh, Angela, there's one thing I, I, I wanted to, actually just two quick things I just wanted to add about the the difference with, uh, with the Ramos, is that um, in the mid-70s, um, Agong incorporated Ali into into TRK into Tony Ramos Kaji Kambo. Um, and then um, what happened was uh, he witnessed um, Supreme Guru Master Surako Kenyette came to San Jose and did a demonstration. And um, after he saw that, he um, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law are both Cebuano, but they're Hawaiian-born. So when he found out he was from Cebu and he saw him fight and he saw him spar, he was like, I got to learn that. He goes, that's from my province, man, you know? So him and another master martial artist went to Santa. They went from um, California. They went to Philippines and trained there extensively for a month. And he got found this group called the Kenyette brothers and Sarako Kenyette was one of the brothers that was there in the teachers and they trained them and they certified him as a first degree black belt. And he came back and brought that and asked all of us at the dojo to immerse ourselves in Kokoi Kenyette Dose Pares. Okay. And when was that? So that was 85, okay, 1985. All right. All right, so but he started implementing some Kali in the 70s. Okay. And a lot of, and there's a lot of Kajikimbo guys that didn't have Filipino martial arts in their form, in their system. But we totally immersed in 85. And then um, what happened was um, Agong took it to that level and then in 1987, he retired from civil service and moved back to Hawaii, Agong did. And then um, Kokoi Kenyette moved to San Jose and he found out about it. And he asked him if I could train directly under him. So when I started training directly under him, Agong, this is what, this is what makes him different. I'm, I'm trying to let you see a picture of it, Angelo and to get in his head a little bit. I have the utmost respect for him other than the fact that he's my master instructor. And the, the, the thing about it is, is that he's not afraid to learn from other people and to learn from his students. So he sent me to learn the from Kokoi and I, I made it all the way to a senior master under him but I would continue to bring the knowledge back to his school in Hawaii and he would just love it. I got videos of him, you know, doing the knowledge and what, what great grandmasters do that. I can only say the good ones. 
<laughs> you, you can say you can say that. I, I can't say that. I'm not allowed to say it. <laughs> you, you're, you're, you're in a position that you can say that. I can't. I agree with you though. <laughs> I, I am, I'm so blessed to have like two of the probably the best martial artists that I could ever, you know, what get to get one in your lifetime. I mean, Kokoi Kenyette was voted by the BBC as being the top 100 martial artists of the century. You, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, my father-in-law, it speaks for itself, you know, Ogong. So, yeah. But like Mitch said, if you want to find out who the best, you know, Kaji Kimbo style or form is, ask that person who who's doing it, right? Yeah, talk to the top dogs, he said. Talk to the top dogs. <laughs> you smile like my brother. <laughs> 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 it's her favorite one her favorite one okay i'm glad as long as it's the favorite one That's all <laughs> no no we're good so leah so you got your black belt in your 20s um i'm guessing and this is why i'm, I'm, I'm going there right because I, I think historically we've already if, you, if i'm following this timeline correctly um ramos brings the art over from hawaii to the mainland he goes back and finishes up a little bit, gets his black belt, continues to to train, opens his school in the 60s. You're there the whole time as a kid training alongside this. And then you get your black belt. But as you said, your brown belt test was as intense as a black belt test. But you finally get in there in your 20s, get your black belt. So at this point, you're in the school, right? And, and the way Kaji Kimball works, you've already been teaching at this point since you were a teen, because if you were a brown belt, but I'm, I'm not I'm not going to mention the the times, like I said, but if you're a brown belt as a child, as a teen, that means as a teen, you're already a colored belt, which means as a colored belt, you're already, like we said earlier, running basics and stuff, pretty much living in the dojo, working in the dojo and doing all of school. And the yeah. <laughs> so you, when, and I, if I, and if I'm missing anything in between that, feel free to mention it. There's a point here where Ramos is going to retire, right? And then someone's going to come in and continue to run the programs um, without dating yourself. <laughs> when, when, maybe you don't have to focus on the when. Let's not focus on the when. I'll let David focus on the when. I just want to know how you felt and how you took on that transition? What was going on at that point in your life? Oh, 1987, come on, that meeting. <laughs> okay, here's what happened. He was going to retire, and he already told the family, you know, I'm going to take mom back. We're going to go back to Hawaii. It's too cold here. So he, he's already in things, you know, uh, talked about with people. But then he had, wanted to have this big meeting, okay? He wanted all his black belts, come to the dojo, come Saturday, whatever. And uh, they all came. They all showed up. All right. So even including his sons. Okay. And so he, and from his heart, talking from his heart, he says, I got to go back to Hawaii. Who is going to take over? Please come forward. Please. He's like, everybody's like, mm, you know. But they said that they would. And and um, they said they'd help, but they didn't want to take over. Okay. And that's a hard, you know, those are hard shoes to, you know, fill. So, uh, especially Tony Ramos, I mean, everybody knew him in this whole county. And so they're all just kind of looking at each other. Well, this guy right here, Underbelt, stands up and says, I'll, I'll do it. I wouldn't let this legacy die. Who wants his legacy to die? So I, I'm going to jump in here real quick because so... So I got to tell you, so Agung was very old school Hawaiian, right? So, um, and when it came to his martial arts, you know, that's his, that's his life, you know? He ate, bled, sweated, everything. So he basically said, I want you guys to take over my school. I'm retiring. I'm going home. Uh, can you guys do it? And everybody's like, oh, we'll get, we'll do it, Agung. We'll do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. He goes, great. But he sensed he knew something. He could see it in him, right? And he said, but if not, 
take all of my stuff, all of my diplomas, all of my belts, pack it in a box and send it back to Hawaii. And I don't want to hear from any of you ever again. Yeah. Yeah. So I was crushed, you know? So I'm like, dude, we'll make this work. You know, absolutely. So what happened was the people that said that they were going to do it, they came in and got their vows. It lasted maybe like a month. And then I, I, I did a bad thing and I was lying to him and I told him that it was, everything was okay. And I was a sergeant in the air force at the time. And, uh, I was having to pay, you know, pay everything off of a sergeant's pay the tuition because the school only had like about 10 people in it when he left and I was one of those 10 so um that's what happened and it caused problems between us of course you know because I you know number one she's like tell dad tell him just tell him you know he's like boom and Finally, it just came to where she just got on the phone with him, you know, and, and I came home from training and he was, she, she had the phone like this, you know, the hard line, right, you know, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And it's dad. Okay. Hey, dad. You know, he's like, hey, my boy, you know, and basically he said, what happened? He goes, why, why are you not telling me the truth? I go, dad, you know, he's like, close the school. He goes, close it down and go train with my black belts that live in Antioch or or whatever and Stockton. And and I go, oh, no. I said, there's no way. There's no way I'll let this school close. You you have started this legacy. It's been here forever. And it's not, I guarantee you, we will not let this close, Dad. He goes, I don't want problems between you and my daughter. You know, da, da, da. I go, it will not happen. We We will make it work. And that was the promise we made to him. And um, I promised him that the students that train, that they will earn everything they get like we did. You know, every rank that they put on and everything that they'll earn it and we'll keep up with that legacy. So um, that's basically it. And then those other- She wanted us to- So so then he he was like, you know what? Um, There's people wearing my patch that aren't loyal uh to me he goes i want it registered because god forbid something happens to me everything that i have done and you have done for this tony ramos kaji kembo they're gonna take credit for and you'll see all the crabs will come out of the woodwork and uh i and we said um well dad you know and 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 he goes i want it registered so we registered it as a in with u.s trademark so it's it's a service mark then the name Tony Ramos Kajikembo is is um trademarked um registered uh so is the logo so is any simulation of the logo because I've seen a lot out there that look very similar but not um but um uh that's that's where he was so of course we want everybody's favorite you know because people you know for the obvious, but our just thing is to to make that legacy be as good. We're it. just keeping our promise to him. Absolutely, and we're doing it the best we can. Absolutely, we don't care what people think as long as our students are happy. Yeah. You know, and his brothers, the brothers that mean to because our we have brothers that still they were from my dad. Martial arts brothers, our, our martial arts brothers, and they're very loyal, very loyal because they know what my dad wanted. So that's how it goes. So, so one of the things, do you know how, like in Kaji Kimbo, um, everybody's called Sifu or, right? Everybody, you get a black belt, you're Sifu and stuff. So we do ours. We, so one of the other things is a gun created requirements for student black belt all the way to 12th degree because, because he, that's the way he was taught. He shared it and he gave us requirements for it. Um, he was a 10th degree when he passed away. Um, so he had those requirements and part of the requirements is is he created the difference between a black belt and an instructor so so when you're a black belt you're a black belt 
but you have to go through instructor's training. You have to have 220 certified teaching hours. You have to go through a course. So all of our instructors that are instructors and have that title are certified and they do it yearly. They have to have a yearly certification process. We have three schools under Tony Ramos Kaji Kimball organization. We have one ran by Sifu Arnesa Ramos Aranon or Sifu Arnesa Aranon that's um, Leah's sister, my sister-in-law, and her husband, um, uh, Uncle Whitney. Aaron, we call him Uncle Whitney. Uncle Whitney, and then um, we have Sifu Jason Jones, who's one of my—he's my fourth black belt, uh, uh, third black belt, and he's in um, Washington State. Big honor. Yeah, that's a really big honor. That, that's awesome, and at the same time, what a. Yeah, what a journey. What a journey. Try to put it together, working with family. Working with family is a blessing and a curse, depending on how that works. <laughs> you know, when you're Ohana, you, you love together, you fight together, and it, you know, and then you and then you heal each other, and that's just part of the process. And that, that and that's, yeah. that's really awesome that you know you were able to keep it going, right? When you see something, something so valuable looking like it's gonna go out you know like a flame going out you're able to throw in some wood and get that fire burning and that's that's awesome that really is 36 years later when he left 36 years ago you know so that's that's a lot of work but it's our livelihood so like you know so a gong was a he was a jet engine mechanic so he worked a full-time job plus he taught at night right so I, you know i worked for the better part of 30 years of corrections and I would teach at corrections, but I would come home, come to the dojo and we teach six classes a night, five days a week. So, you know, four to six classes. So, you know, there's that. And then you have people, you know, that, you know, some people only teach two classes, you know, maybe one class a week, you know, which is good. You know, it's, 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 it's your journey. But by the grace of God, you know, he allowed us to do all of this, to be able to do this through all sorts. And and we've created such a um, such a following, you know what I'm saying? And there and these are our Ohana that isn't blood related. And you know that that's that's true. Kaji Kimbo, right? Well, I think we're almost out of time. But before I finish, is there anything that I missed anything that you wanted to say that you feel you missed before we wrap this up? You know, I just, um, I just real quick, I want you to know that what, cause if I, if I could tell you something about my instructor, other than I just, what I, the things that I said, he was very loving, you know, he was known as that, that nobody could stop that smile. He was a, he was a jitterbug champion of Oahu. <laughs> I mean, legitly yeah, running up walls. He was um he was an awesome musician. He cut vinyl with Grandmaster Reyes, Alehu Reyes. They cut vinyl. They had beautiful voices. They they were they were they were just awesome. But what it was is you know how you have those numbered for techniques, you know, that yeah, number one, number two, number three. When it goes to the knife and club techniques, he took all the numbers away. He just worked angles because of his, he's so attention to detail. And if it didn't work, he used it. And one of the things he was known for, and I challenge Grandmaster Mitch, because he's the, he is the, um, he is the statistician of figuring things out, right? How many Kaji Kimbuins were in law enforcement, right? Because we, Agung, one of the things we said that, with that he was famous for is that he could have good guys and bad guys meaning there's cops and there's robbers on the mat gangsters because why who could do this crazy art right who can take that beating tough people right so that's why military law enforcement and street people right he could get them on the same mat and while they were striking and doing all that they could, they were family. Now, maybe they went their separate ways, right? When they stepped off the mat, 
but as long as they were on the map, they were square. And is, oh, there, is there anything a, you want to mention? Yeah. Yeah. Behind this great man with my father is my mother. <laughs> she kept him in line sometimes. <laughs> and all of our CMOs in TRK are black belts. So Simo Leah, so she's a she's a um a sixth degree red white belt. I've watched my mother fight. <laughs> yeah. So she was real deal. <laughs> but we're gonna send you some pictures. Yes, yeah. Angela. Oh yeah, awesome. Pictures. Yeah, yeah. If if any pictures, send them over and um well I was gonna I'll edit them in throughout sure. the show. Yeah. I'll put them in the corners and stuff like and uh, so people can see it and also the, the thumbnail too when I put it together. Well, I want to thank you both of you so much for taking your time. Is there, Leia, do you want to mention something? Oh, no, I was going to look at you closer. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure you both get to say what you want to say. That's all. Before now, I hope you got what you wanted, did you? Uh, I, I always get I always get what I wanted. As long as, as long as the guests actually showed up and I got to talk to them, that's all I wanted. <laughs> I'm a very simple okay. man <laughs> with, yeah. with simple needs. Well, we're we're uh, but honored for you to to, yes. to give us a chance to speak on it. Thank you for wanting us to speak <laughs> on your show. I, I just appreciate you taking the time. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And um, like as I mentioned to to David, I'll mention this time to you. I I would love to have you come back on and talk about your personal oh. journey, um, when you yeah. have time. Not not today. You know, it's already been it's already late. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you so very much. And to my listeners. After about an hour of listening to a podcast, I should have said this first. If you like what you heard, or if you please subscribe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know it's an hour in, but at this point, <laughs> I guess only the real fans are still listening. So right. don't forget to subscribe right. and share. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. I'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Aloha. <laughs>